and welcome to the edition podcast. I'm Charlotte Henry. This week, I'm joined by the wonderful Shannon Morse. Hello, Shannon. How are you? Hello, Charlotte. I am so good. Thank you so much for having me back on. I'm so pleased to have you back on. It's been actually disgracefully long time since you've appeared on this show. So I'm very pleased to have you back. And now we're obviously in March. So you probably have just about recovered from being at CES. How are you feeling? How was it? (laughs) I love how you give me like two months to recover from CES well, because know. it is, it's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. I know the it was vibe. fun this year. Good. <laughs> it was good. Um, One year I'm going to have to come out to Vegas with you, aren't I? Oh my gosh, I would love that. I, I mean, I have fun. my own hotel room, so like you could just book up with me. <laughs> well, offering me hotel rooms on on a podcast is going to we're going to get all sorts of trouble now but yes I think one year <laughs> we're going to have to do some kind of Las Vegas hang, hangout but um <laughs> so you've survived that and you've created a lot of content out there because obviously people know you for your big YouTube channel which I can see is getting dangerously close to 100,000 subscribers so that's exciting Yay! I'm um, so excited yeah but also you're very active in short form video vertical video i.e. TikTok, YouTube shorts. I saw a lot of your content on TikTok, which was great. You seem to get to hang out with very nice new tech, which was fun. Um, but let's talk, obviously, as a creator in your very, you know, long, distinguished career as a creator, you were kind of a creator before we started calling it that. But um, how has that development of shorts, TikTok, that kind of shorter form vertical video changed what you do? Yeah, it's so funny. Back in the day, I think I was called a online video producer, online video on, host, yeah, and now it's online, just content creator. <laughs> maybe you're an online video personality presenter. Yeah, had all sorts. <laughs> so weird. They they don't they didn't even know what to call me. Like when I'm filling out tax stuff, it's like, what what are you? <laughs> like I don't know. Uh, Who YouTuber? are you? <laughs> like, what <laughs> what are you? Um, yeah, short form content and vertical content has really changed the game, and it's so strange because. I I feel like I'm slightly late to the game since I'm just getting started on that now, as opposed to a couple of years ago when the pandemic was rolling through and a lot of people got very, very interested in starting to do those short form, like 60 second TikTok reel or Instagram reels or YouTube shorts. Nowadays, I am finding that even though it's not very great for income, shorts are doing really well for growth, uh, which is not something that I was expecting. I was kind of expecting all of them to die since I'm known for longer form content, Uh, but it is working really well to help my channels grow. Um, it It was strange on YouTube a couple of years ago when they first introduced YouTube shorts in beta and they were like, well, we, we were testing this out. You should, you should check it out and see how it does. A lot of people were posting shorts to their main channel where they had a bunch of long form content as well. And they were finding that it was hurting their overall watch time and it was hurting their overall growth because a lot of people, that audience engagement is very different between audiences who like long form versus short form. So many channels chose to make short channels where they just posted all their shorts and then left their long 
long form content on their main channel and kind of used it as a, uh, a separate audience, but also one that would hopefully help grow the main channel and also please the YouTube algorithm. But now YouTube has kind of caught on to that and figured out what the issue was and why they hadn't had a lot of people creating shorts because a lot of people didn't want to make a new channel like myself. Yeah. <laughs> so they've fixed it so that the the analytics on the platform, uh, they show you your shorts information separate from long form now. And they've also introduced monetization this year, which I mean, to be very, very honest is it's like less than pennies. It's pretty terrible at the moment yeah. for shorts. Uh, but I've also noticed after going to CES, I did one long form video at that entire show. And then I did like 20 days worth of shorts. I did it one short every day and I uploaded every single one on my YouTube channel. And I saw better growth for that month than I had ever seen before. And I had better income coming in from my main long form content and I think it was because I was posting so many shorts. So I was pleasing the algorithm and I ended up having a lot of people watching those shorts and going over and watching the recommended long form content as well. So even though like January is normally a pretty non-advertiser month for a lot of YouTubers, that's been the same since like 2008 when I first started. I noticed really good income that month. So I, I broke even when I went to CES, even wow. though I paid for my ho own hotel, I didn't have a sponsor or anything. I broke even because I did so many shorts and I did that one long form video. And that wasn't uh, even which... from the gambling. No, <laughs> I know, right. <laughs> it, it, that's crazy to me. Cause you know, you go to CES and you're spending like $2,000 on a hotel, the flight, the food, yeah. everything in Vegas. Cause the seat, I mean, just the hotels alone, there are sure. crazy expensive. If you want to be near the convention, which I do because I want to have that accessibility. Yeah. You don't want to uh, be also because I'm old and I don't want to walk five miles. <laughs> <laughs> and the right. Yeah. I, I find this really interesting because there's been a lot of debate that I've heard within the creator community about, uh, YouTube shorts monetization. Um, First of all, it didn't really exist. And then yeah. it finally came in. And at this point, and we're still very early. It was only been around about a month at the time of recording this, hasn't it? So it's very yes. early on in the process. But let's be blunt. No one's getting rich yet off a YouTube short monetization, are they? And the no. way it's split no. and... No normal people are. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, that's I, the I know other there's thing. a few folks have, who have been very successful, but... One of the interesting things is even though we were able to post shorts previously before monetization was turned on, uh, you could monetize your shorts in the desktop application, in the studio uh, application, like in your browser on your desktop. So that's what I was doing with a couple of test shorts back in the day. And those made decent amount, decent amount of money and they made a decent amount of views. It was nothing that would pay the bills, but I was like, okay, I could see this as a reasonable, like another option for diversifying yeah. my income like maybe i can buy a few packs of beer or something every month <laughs> like there was not some much potential. but a little bit yeah there's some potential so i was thinking like oh if they start targeting more shorts uh views in the like home feed maybe i could see more increase in views maybe i could see an increase in revenue so i was keeping an eye on it 
So when I went to CES, I was like, maybe I'll make some money out of these. Even though I did monetize them, I noticed that they, you know, the the money was pretty low as compared to the short, uh, long form content uh, in in terms of like cost per thousand or CPM. Um, but I, when they turned on monetization, which was February first, technically. Yeah. The, the separate monetization that oh, they sure. do for all actually, the shorts. Well, we're discussing that it, was let's, actually, let's just quickly explain bit how lower. that works because it's not the same as normal YouTube where you just see an ad in the middle of a video, is it? Right. It's yeah. In the kind of infinite scroll feed and it's distributed kind of as a whole of yeah. the YouTube shorts creators, isn't it? And it's like 60% in favor of YouTube and 40% in favor of creators, right? Yes. So, so the split is different and they, they kind of divvy it up by which, which of your shorts are in the home feed whenever people are flipping through all the YouTube shorts and what ads they're seeing in between those shorts. And then they also take into consideration if you're using licensed music in your shorts. So that is also going to take a cut. So creators end up being at like the very bottom of this funnel of money with the higher up ones like ad revenue, YouTube and music licensing taking a little bit more off the top of whatever you get at the very end. So that's why you end up with a very low percentage of the entire split for YouTube shorts in comparison to long former, longer form content. And I mean, how does this compare with your experience then on TikTok? Because I know you're on TikTok. Obviously, TikTok is always in the news for, you know, whether it's people wanting to ban it and, you know, there's a serious discussion to be had there. Um, which I've had on this show, and people also just having fun on it. Um, how do you find spreading your wings and going onto TikTok as well, which again is very different from the kind of long videos you were doing, either you know part of Hack Five and other shows, which were kind of spreading my wings. Exactly, yeah. they were kind of <laughs> what twenty, thirty minutes at least. Those Hack Five and those kind of shows. Oh and, yeah, back in the day, <laughs> right? And your videos are obviously much longer than the two minutes or whatever you afforded on TikTok. How did, again, did you find integrating what you're doing into TikTok? It's weird. TikTok has been for me. Um, I have found that the most random videos are the ones that have Mm -hmm. viewership spikes. And I haven't really found the pattern for my audience on TikTok yet. Um, One thing I have noticed is my tutorial videos, like the short videos that I have posted on um, all the various platforms, they've done better on YouTube as opposed to TikTok. And I'm wondering if it's because there's a content and an age gap there. For example, my YouTube channel has a higher age range, um, mostly like, you know, 25 to 35 years old, as Wait, opposed to high. TikTok. Well, I mean, when it comes to advertisers, advertisers think that's high. Like they want to target teenagers. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So yes, comparatively it is high. Uh, But TikTok has a younger age range. There's a lot of younger people who are on TikTok. And I, I don't think that my audience that I'm normally used to posting videos for are the same kind of audience that is on TikTok. So I need to figure out how to post the same kind of technical content, you know, tech devices, tutorials, security, privacy stuff on TikTok, but market it towards a younger audience, which probably means I have to like speed up the editing, make the editing look 
more popish, more fun, like more exciting, um, make it sound more intriguing. Like there's a lot of things that my documentary style tutorial videos like definitely would not work on TikTok. And I think it's because of that. It's so strange, but so far, like my growth on TikTok has been really slow and it hasn't, it hasn't gone viral. Like nothing like that has happened. I've gotten a few sponsorships just based on my diversification because I offer like sponsorships throughout a variety of different platforms, but generally people are just sponsoring because they want to diversify their branding to a bunch of different platforms. It's not necessarily because I can offer them a ton of views on TikTok like I could on YouTube. It's so interesting because creators are having to think more and more about that diversification, about being across different platforms. Um, You can't just be, like you couldn't just be, I'm just on YouTube now. Even the biggest YouTuber in the world, Mr. Beast is posting shorts and stuff to tiktok like no one can be creating stuff and just simply be on one platform but that that kind of changes the dynamic of how you have to plan your content doesn't it oh absolutely it's it's crazy to think that now when i record that youtube video that i'm so used to recording that 10 minute long long format video now i have to add something at the end of my pre-production process when I'm researching for that video that says, okay, how would you edit this down for a TikTok? How would you record this content or like the biggest snippets of this video and turn it into an Instagram reel? Like there's additional work that is going into it, no matter how you look at it. Even if you're just taking your older long form content and snipping it down into something that's shorter, that's still work. So you're, you're ending up with a lot more uh, additional information that you have to put out there, even though it might be from the original recording that you did just for one long format video. And it's so strange to look at that because that's never been something that I've had to do. Um, previously, I posted, you know, a behind the scenes picture on Instagram, or I would post a little snippet that said like, hey, check out my new YouTube video on Twitter, whatever it might be. But now we're having to re-edit the same thing like three or four times for all these different platforms and all these different audiences. Yeah, and you also don't want to be reliant, of course, on just one platform. You know, Yes, I, we were sort of hinting at the discussions around TikTok, but, you know, we don't know what's going to happen with that. We don't know whether YouTube shorts will really be a boom or just kind of be a short term and a bit of a fail. You have to, I guess you have to dip your toe into all of these things. Oh, absolutely. There's there's even a few TikTokers that I've been watching since, you know, 2020, and they make these hilarious comedic TikTok videos, and they've started posting longer format YouTube videos. Yes. They started their own YouTube channels. And seeing them migrate from TikTok to another platform, I think it's because a lot of them have noticed that their their growth has kind of plateaued or maybe slowed on TikTok. And they are trying to find those same audiences over on YouTube now, which ends up allowing them to diversify their income. They can get money from the TikTok audience. And then some of those TikTokers or those viewers might even watch the same content from them on YouTube. So they might be able to monetize the same audience twice or completely different audiences because not everybody is going to be on both platforms. Yeah, I've noticed this as well. Like some of the TikTokers I follow are suddenly posting videos that are obviously clips from a much longer YouTube video, mm-hmm. um, sharing clips from podcasts that they've all seem to have started as well. 
it's yeah. very it's very interesting how people have kind of you know we think of youtube as going to tiktok but actually the jump the other way has also been very very noticeable and is very very real it'll be interesting to see kind of which way the trend goes because I, I i've definitely definitely noticed it and you know i guess people kind of started on tiktok because it was quick and fun and they kind of maybe got a bit of confidence in producing video and then realized they could do this as a thing as their mm -hmm. proper job and then yeah. decided to get more and more into actually doing the video thing uh by youtube um there's also another thing i want to discuss with you which is this idea I, I wrote about it the other day of kind of the journalist and the creator and how those two different worlds maybe need to get on a little bit better with each other but first our sponsor collide has some big news if you're an Okta user, they can get your entire fleet to 100% compliance. How? If a device isn't compliant, the user can't log into your cloud apps until they fix the problem. It's that simple. Collide patches one of the major holes in zero trust architecture, device compliance. Without Collide, IT struggles to solve basic problems like keeping everyone's OS and browser up to date. Unsecured devices are logging into your company's apps because there's nothing there to stop them. Collide is the only device trust solution that enforces compliance as part of authentication and it's built to work seamlessly with Okta. The moment Collide's agent detects a problem, it alerts the user and gives them instructions to fix it. If they don't fix the problem within a set time, they're blocked. Collide's method means fewer support tickets, less frustration and most importantly, 100% fleet compliance. Visit collide.com slash the edition to learn more or book a demo. That's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash the edition. Thank you to Collide for sponsoring the show. I'm back with Shannon Morse, the tech creator that I'm sure many, many of you know and have watched for, well, am I allowed to say many years, Shannon? You've been doing this a while now. <laughs> Yeah, you can say many years. Well, I've been yeah. doing it since 2008. So yeah, it's been a while. There you go. There you go. Um, and we were obviously talking before about how creators just in that traditional sense are doing different things, whether it's YouTube or whatever, um, and now TikTok and so on. But there's also this issue, I think, of like, so when I look at your reviews and you know, of products, you know, that that's not so different to the kind of newspaper review or, you know, reviews that people put video reviews that people post at major media publications and I I think this a lot when I look at Substack in particular where people are writing comment pieces of the kind you would see in newspapers are doing original reporting and I as I say I wrote about this in a piece recently where I'm kind of a bit stuck of where that crossover between creator and journalist comes and the ironic thing in this is that people in both of those groups would probably reject both of those phrases in different ways you know a lot of journalists would not like to think of themselves as creators and maybe a lot of creators would think of themselves as journalists I don't know how you think about it but it's quite an interesting dynamic that's now starting to play out doesn't it you know I'm so glad that you mentioned that because I I don't think I've told you this but I oh an exclusive I, on the show yeah I um I went to school and I was a part of our journalism club right. so I was writing for the newspaper when I was in high school and I also interned at a local newspaper so I for, originally when I was in school long before YouTube even existed <laughs> this is way back in the day because I'm old um yeah I I learned how to 
write journalism pieces properly. I learned how to, you know, work at a newspaper. I learned how to do all that stuff. Like, so I understand like bylines. I I understand before the fold, like how all that stuff works. And a lot of it, I implemented it into my own YouTube channel. And while I don't call myself a journalist, technically, because I'm not sourcing a lot of my own material. I'm finding a lot of that information from, you know, journalism news websites. Um, I still use a lot of what I learned to create the content that I'm creating now. Like if I can't find exact information that I'm trying to find through a lot of the news sources that I do use, I will go to the source and I will try to find, you know, the truthful information before posting anything on my my main page. Uh, If there is source material available, I'll read it like legal documentation or whatever it might be. Yeah. (laughs) And that stuff matters. It does matter. It matters a lot. And I think a lot of content creators um, don't call themselves journalists because they they don't do all, all that additional work. And that's something that I do put in in while I don't call myself a journalist, it's it's still something that is really important to me that we're putting out information that's, you know, truthful and honest and really has that journalistic integrity that I look for. Yeah. And I think a lot of creators actually could benefit from that. Look, I get it. If you're writing comedy sketches or just doing kind of funny videos, that's not what you're doing. Yeah. Like, and it doesn't matter. But, you know, when you're doing product reviews, when you're doing other exactly. kind of analysis, um, and, t- you know, tech news, all that kind of thing, you know, it's not so different from doing TV news. In fact, you might get watched by more people. And so <laughs> I think that set of journalism skills is really important for people to apply to the creator economy. But equally, yeah. I think journalists of the traditional type could actually benefit quite a lot from using some of the techniques and skills from the creator economy. I talked about two different people with that piece. I thought of... um taylor lorenz at the washington post who obviously writes right she obviously writes about the creator economy but also Mm -hmm. is posting on tiktok and youtube and building her own brand that way and engaging on the platforms that she writes about and i also and and hilariously oftentimes i follow taylor and i will often just look at her social media and not not go to yeah um, to read her articles and it's it's mainly because I don't have the time to read them. But if she's making a video, I can listen to that in the background or I can listen to somebody like talking about their article in the background as opposed to, you know, sitting down and reading it myself. So there's a huge, huge proponent of that that journalists are yeah. are seeing and a lot of them are growing their own personal brands yeah. by posting about the same kind of content. Yeah, I mean, I suspect the editors at the Washington Post are not delighted that you're just watching the videos, not buying a subscription and reading the paper but I think your point (laughs) does have you know it does stand and I was also the other person I thought of when writing that piece was Cleo Abram who by any standards is producing science and tech videos that are journalism and she rightly describes herself as a video journalist I believe but again she just because she's working independently doesn't mean you're not a journalist and I think in the world of Substack and podcasts uh, maybe I'm trying to justify this to myself now but um I think it's increasingly like everyone would do better from thinking about both the things and the crossover between those two things. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's so interesting to see like video journalism take effect in the mm-hmm. 2010s and now the 2020s uh, because we are seeing that huge growth and that that huge potential for a platform. And I wish that more news sites would use video journalism to their advantage because it's something that I find 
you know, as an adult who needs to clean the house and write her own segments and do her own content, I like to listen to content in the background. Sure. So like, that's why I brought it up because, you know, I'm very busy driving, yeah. like all that stuff. It's so much easier for me to do that as opposed to, you know, reading or di- di- uh, with digesting. Go through the paper. Yes, exactly. It, I, I think this is really interesting. I think there's kind of perhaps a bit of snobbery on both sides where creators are like with this, you know, I think the truth of is what it comes down to is what we think of as a creator. And it tends to be a younger uh, person who is on just video platforms, basically. It was always YouTube and then I think TikTok now comes into it. And, you know, maybe that influencer thing of posting stuff on Instagram as well. And we don't think of that in this. And we think of journalists as kind of hunched around on a news desk churning out copy for the day's paper and i think we need to do better at thinking of both those things like creators don't have to be the 22 year old who's running around looking hot on tiktok and i think we need to think more about what a creator is it could be someone who is running a newsletter or a blog and has done so for a long Mm -hmm. time it could be someone that's posting really in-depth video and someone who's posting really in-depth videos on youtube could equally be a journalist i think Oh, absolutely. And some of the most fascinating YouTubers I watch are doing really in-depth like journalism work. Um, I wouldn't count myself as one of them, but like even I post news videos every single week about security and privacy. And I go in-depth into stories and try to research them as best I can and post the sources where I got the source material, uh, which is never Wikipedia. And it's it's always it's always so fascinating to read the comments from people who uh, I think a, even our audiences often think that we are just making stuff up or we're not, we're not actually like working on researching data or researching information before posting it as a YouTube video. Yeah. There's, it, it's almost like there's this inherent bias of content creators who are just posting things randomly, uh, as opposed to true journalism, which has that journalistic integrity and has like gone to school for journalism and started working at a newspaper. Like there's this classic idea of journalism, but now the two are kind of being merged into one. And maybe it just comes down to like teaching society and teaching our, our public facing audiences, like what is journalism? What is content creation now? Yeah, you know, what's the, you know, there's great fun stuff where there's really funny videos. And as I say, and then there's really the really in-depth stuff and we need, need to do a bit better at that. And I do think also, as I say, it's often about video when you think of content creators. And I think like, look at the growth of Substack and other newsletters. Look at the yeah. way people are making their own podcasts, sort of independently setting those up. That by any standard is content creation you're contributing to the creator economy you know you are having to think about adverts affiliate links etc 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 you know the user numbers and as more and more people are creating media independently i really do think it is all starting to merge in quite a serious way it absolutely is i'm Uh, glad you brought that up it's such a fascinating like take on on the different careers, the different career choices and expertise and how, how they can work together in 2023. Yeah. I mean, it's really, it's sort of really been intriguing me more and more over, particularly I think, cause I've been running the newsletter and so on. Um, it's kind of been really intriguing me 
how different people fit into these roles but anyway yeah it, it it's kind of interesting and of course what comes next you know tiktok kind of exploded substack has kind of exploded you know we don't what other platforms that are go- we're going to have to run to next that's always an interesting question isn't it <laughs> oh god don't I add know, another uh, one in the mix I i'm know. not ready <laughs> shanna's now crying and shaking in the corner that she might have to edit no. a, a video in a fourth different way <laughs> but yeah, no, doing I, it three I, times is already enough oh my I gosh know. i can't even keep we're, up with that we've actually <laughs> broken her but it's okay <laughs> You can also look forward to the new Shannon Morse podcast where she's going to do both audio and video. So that's up to no. five or six now. It's going to be great. It's going to be fun. I can't tell you how many times I've thought like I should start a podcast. And then I'm like, I should start a gaming channel or I should live stream on Twitch. And there's just so many things that I yeah. want to do as a content creator to like make similar content for all these different platforms. But at the same time, I'm like, no, focus on YouTube keep going get that done do your goal make it to your goals and then you can start thinking about that stuff <laughs> yeah i mean the the live streaming thing which you can do live on youtube as well can't you as well as twitch yes but that's yeah. uh that's a whole different area isn't it of people just really engaged on that live side of the creator economy it is i've done some live streams in the past and i do a monthly one for my patreon supporters but that's about it like i i wish i had the time to do more live streams because i love the interaction i love the engagement and being able to talk to your chat room like it's so much fun but i just don't have the time (laughs) yeah no i think people underestimate how much time the kind of creation and planning process actually takes it you know it's not oh let's just turn on the camera and go oh i wish it was yeah i know i know so well i did i don't make much video for there is an additional youtube channel but it's just got audiograms of the podcast so um i don't do much video you were persuading me before that i should do more video so we can negotiate that (laughs) off air but um it's been so great having you on the show tell people where they can keep up with all the fantastic work that you do Absolutely. Uh, You can find me. YouTube is the main platform, youtube.com slash Shannon Morse, just like my name is spelled. And I'm also very active on Instagram and Twitter, and I'm snubs on both of those, S-N-U-B-S. And you contribute to a couple of other shows as well, don't you, as well as your own content? I do. Yeah, I do. Um, The main one that I contribute to is called ThreatWire. It's on the Hack5 channel, Hack5 YouTube channel. And that's my show on that on that YouTube channel. Um, and what else do I do? Oh, and I guest host on Daily Tech News Show once a month. So you can see me on that as well with Tom Merritt. With the lovely and regular appearance on here of Tom Merritt. So yes, check, shout out on all those places. Um, I'm, of course, at Charlotte A. Henry on Twitter. Uh, I'm actually on Instagram as that as well. So if you want to see like the thing I ate for lunch or something, come join me over there. <laughs> um, but also if you're listening to this podcast via Substack uh, via the newsletter. Thank you very much. I assume you subscribed. Please do share it with others and encourage them to sign up. You can also listen to this show wherever you usually get your podcasts. So do find us in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, etc. etc. Shannon, thanks so much once again for joining me on the show, and I'll see you all next week.